Thank you for the truth of your word, Father. We love the scriptures. That we have a 100% pure source of truth directly from our creator God that you've given to us that we can hold in our hands and read and meditate upon. Meet you in the truths that we read. And learn perfect, true truth about who we are, why we're here, who you are, what your purpose is, how we can live, how we can be forgiven through Christ. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you'd honor your word now, that as I teach about deacons from your word, that questions would be answered, encouragement would be given, and that you would do a powerful work in us right now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 1. And uh, as I always say, if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. We are passionately committed to studying the scriptures here. And so we'd like you all to have a copy of the Bible you can look on with. Somebody back there, great. Uh, Philippians 1 is on page 980 in the Bibles we're passing out. We're going to start with Philippians 1, verse 1, and then move, move through some other passages. Today we're wrapping up a three-week series on elders and deacons. And here's why we're talking about elders and deacons. Okay, a couple of reasons I've been sharing these. First of all, because it's been a long time since we've taught on church government here uh, at Mercy Hill Church. And it's crucial that you understand what does the Bible teach about how churches should be structured and how are we at Mercy Hill going to be pursuing that. You can see that from the Bible for yourself is really important to us. That's the first reason. Second reason, because we need to add more elders on. We've got two elders right now, Jerry Ship and me. And a church of our size, we could use four, even five elders would be really helpful. So I'm praying that Jesus will use and is using this series to stir some of you men to move towards considering eldership and to start taking steps to grow into those areas of responsibility. That's the second reason. Third reason, we need to raise up deacons. We've never had deacons. I I grew up in a church where the deacons all sat in a room and made decisions, and that's all I could tell they were doing. And deacons is, is a whole different ball game. I also knew about Deacon Jones. Anybody remember Deacon Jones and the Rams? Okay, defensive end. All right, whole different ball. I think he knew the Lord. That's probably why he got the nickname. But anyway, all kinds of different pictures of what deacons are. I'm hoping to dispel some of those wrong notions today and help you understand what, what deacons are. We think it's important to establish deacons. We've never done that here both to recognize those in our midst who are functioning as deacons and also because we want to raise up even more deacons. And then the last reason I want to mention is because we've learned some new things about eldership and I've been sharing those over these last couple of weeks. So here's, here's the big picture. Here at Mercy Hill Church, the way that I've been praying this and, and just kind of getting excited about this is our passion is we want to raise up Christ-treasuring Children, husbands, wives, singles, families, Christ-treasuring individuals spread throughout the South Bay. We want to raise up Christ-treasuring families who love each other and who love Jesus and who are shining with the gospel in their neighborhoods. We want to raise up Christ-treasuring home groups, intergenerational children, moms, dads, singles, families coming together to worship Jesus, build each other in faith, love each other, advance the gospel here in San Jose. And the, 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 the prayer is that God would use all of that. And unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. God's got to do it, but that he would raise up Christ-treasuring churches and plant Christ-treasuring churches through us, throughout the area, Santa Teresa, North Valley, Sunnyvale, Los Gatos, wherever. 
That's what we're praying for. But to have that happen is going to take lots of leaders and lots of workers. And in the New Testament, leaders and workers are elders and deacons, which is why we're teaching on elders and deacons. See the connection? You can see those two offices right there in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Look at what Paul says. He's talking to the church at Philippi. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. So you can see two offices in this church. There's all the saints, and then amongst the saints, there's two offices that are recognized. Everybody would have known who the overseers are, who the deacons are. So there's two offices in the New Testament church. There's overseers, and they're more commonly called elders. Okay, Two words synonymously used, more commonly called elders. We, we call them elders around here. That's a team of men who together are responsible to the Lord Jesus for leading the church, teaching the church, protecting the church, raising up leaders, equipping and training the church, loving, shepherding, caring for the church. That's the elders, elders, overseers. And then there's deacons, that is women and men, who help the elders by taking on positions of, of, of ministry, of service in the church. You know, I spent two weeks talking about Elders, and now this morning I want to talk about deacons. So what do deacons do? Let's start with that question. And it's really interesting. If you study the New Testament, the New Testament does not give us anywhere a list of what deacons do. The most clear evidence for what deacons do is right there in Philippians 1. 1. It's the word deacons. Okay, where does the word deacons come from? The word deacons is from the Greek word diakonos, Okay, diakonos sounds like deacon. Okay, that's where that all came from. And that word means a servant or a helper. So deacons are those who serve. They're those who help. Okay? Now, obvious question, isn't every follower of Jesus called to serve and help? And the answer is absolutely. But the fact that there are some who are called deacons in the New Testament church shows that there are some who have a special position where there's responsibility and it's an official position of serving or helping in some particular area. But the Holy Spirit hasn't given us a list of what those are. And I think the reason why, this is just my own thought, you can weigh this, is because the church in different cultures, over different times, in different lands, is going to have such a wide variety of needs for service and help that any list wouldn't even come close and it wouldn't want to be limiting. So it's just these are helpers. These are servants. They help the elders. The elders get a sense of where the church is supposed to be going. Here's the other helpers and workers we're supposed to be needing. We need to put these, make these official positions. Let's go. That's what they do. And you, you can kind of see that. In Acts chapter 6, let's turn there. That's page 914 in the Bibles we just passed out, page 914. Luke may have given us an example of this in Acts chapter 6. Now here's the background to what's going on here. In the early church, there were two ethnic groups. There's believers in Jesus who are from Jewish background, and they're called the Hebrews in this passage. And then there's followers of Jesus who are from the Gentile background, and they're called the Hellenists, I think. is Yeah, the Hellenists. 
So there's two different ethnic groups. And in this passage, there's some ethnic tension that starts to rise up in the church. The problem is, in that culture, widows, women whose husbands have died, were facing extreme terrible poverty. And the church did what Jesus does in our hearts. They rose up and they started to help to provide food for them. But there were some tensions that arose about how that food was distributed. Look at verse 1 and you'll see what's going on here. Now in those days when when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. So the Greek background believers had a complaint against the Jewish background believers because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve, the apostles, summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Okay, now Luke does not call these deacons. That word doesn't show up here. But here we see some being specially set apart for a work of service or ministry in order to help the church leaders do what they're called to do. See see how that works? I think that's the best picture of how elders and deacons function together, and that is deacons minister and serve in ways that help the elders and the church advance on the mission that God's called us to pursue. That's what deacons do. What do deacons do? They minister and they serve, all right, in official ways. Now, why do we believe deacons are both women and men? Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3 to see why. This is an area, a question on which people who love Jesus can disagree and can agree to disagree. And uh, that's fine. This is not a major, it's not worth fighting over in any, any stretch of the imagination. It's an area where we can definitely agree to disagree. But I do want to share with you the reasons why we here at Mercy Hill Church believe that women are called to be deacons. The crucial passage is right here, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. This is a place where Paul gives a list of qualifications of elders. And let me just read this and make some comments, and I'm going to come back to verse 11, which is the key passage about whether women are deacons or not. Start with verse 8. Deacons, likewise, must be Dignified, that is respectable, mature, and wise, not double-tongued, that is not slandering or gossiping or talking behind people's backs, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. That is, they, they need a strong trust in Jesus Christ as he's revealed in the scriptures. Verse 10. Let them also be tested first. So deacons need to be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. It doesn't mean perfect, but it means faithful and consistent. Okay? Verse 11. Their wives, and we're going to come back to that phrase, their wives likewise must be dignified, 
respectable and wise, not slanderers, there's no gossip or talking in people's backs, but sober-minded. Okay, they're prayerful, they're thoughtful, they're deliberate, not rash. Faithful in all things. That is, they, they do what they say they're going to do. Okay? Verse 12, let deacons each be the husband of one wife. It means faithful to your wife. Managing their children and their households well. Okay, the house is not in chaos, right? There's, there's love and there's fun and there's order and there's structure. Verse 13, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Because there's the list of qualifications. Now, verse 11, the fact that it talks about their wives, deacons' wives, that makes it sound like there's deacons, and then there's deacons' wives have to be this way, but there's no women deacons in this passage, just deacons, men, and then their wives. Okay? But the ESV has a note at the bottom of the page, if you have the version there, a little footnote there in verse 11. And what that footnote says is, first of all, the word there, T-H-E-I-R, is not in the Greek. Okay, just note that. And the word translated wives can just as easily be translated women. So there's two very different ways this can be translated. Okay, one, it could be their wives, speaking of the deacons' wives, there's no women deacons, we're just, there's qualifications for the deacons' wives. They're the ways to simply take it as women, speaking as women deacons, in other words. Here's the qualification, especially, that women deacons need to hold to. So, so which one do we go with? Okay, that's, the, that's the big question. And when we face a question like this, again, this is not you know, a, a hill to die on, this is not you know, a doctrine that's going to make your salvation in jeopardy in any way. But what we need to do is, is pray and say, Lord, help us to be thoughtful and objective and want to study your word, want to see what, what is the Holy Spirit saying here through Paul? That's the question we've all got to wrestle with. So as I've done that, as we've talked and studied and thought, there's three reasons that, that persuaded me that what Paul is saying here is simply women, women deacons. And these reasons were found in a book. If you haven't read this, I'd highly recommend it. It's by John Piper and Wayne Grudem, are the editors. It's called Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And this is an article in, in that uh, book by Tom Schreiner, who's a, who's a good, good New Testament scholar. So here's three reasons that uh, Tom Schreiner gives in this article that they persuaded me that that's what's going on here. First of all, Paul's word choice most naturally refers to women deacons. Again, Paul, the word there, T-H-E-I-R, is not in the Greek, and the word he does use could just as easily be taken as women. So if Paul had wanted to talk about deacons' wives, he could have said their wives, T-H-E-I-R, he could have included that word, or he could have said wives of deacons, that would have made it clear, but instead he just uses this one word which can either be taken as wives or women, and the most natural reading would be to take it as women then. First reason. Second reason, this is interesting. Um, there's no special requirements given for elders' wives. Okay, now, elders have higher qualifications than deacons. And you'd think that if there needed to be qualifications given for deacons' wives, there certainly should be qualifications given for elders' wives. But there's none. Not a peep about what elders' wives need to be like. Why would there then need to be requirements given for deacons' wives? Doesn't it make sense, if the Greek could go either way, that these are qualifications given to women deacons. Do you follow that? I hope so. If not, you can give, have a chance to raise 
your hand and ask some questions here. The third reason then is because Romans 16.1 probably describes a woman deacon. Let's turn there. That's page 950 in the Bibles we passed out. Romans 16.1. Look at what Paul writes here. So I checked out Tom Schreiner's got a commentary on Romans and also Douglas Moo. And both of them agree that this probably describes a woman deacon. Here's the verse, 1 Corinthians 16.1. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant, that's the word deacon, exact same word, could be translated servant, deacon, a servant, a deacon of the church at Cancrea. Okay, now, the fact that that word servant is the same word for deacon, and the fact that she's described as a servant slash deacon of the church at Cancrea sounds to me like she's a deacon, like she's got an official position of, of serving there. So I agree with Tom Schreiner, Douglas Moo, and others who, who take it that way. I think probably Romans 16 one's describing a woman deacon. Okay, so our, our conclusion is that, back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11, is that Paul is giving qualifications for women deacons, there And then verse 12, he goes back to the men deacons, and then verse 13 draws some conclusions. Now, women deacons are going to be operating within the roles that God has established between men and women, where in, in the home and in the church, God calls men to have primary responsibility for leadership, and men should be led and taught by, by men. And that's, that's how God set things up. So the fact that there's women deacons that's going to operate within those parameters and within those guidelines, but I love how God has called both women and men to this office of deacon. Okay, so if you have questions about that, I'll give you a chance in a second to ask. Let me just keep going here, a couple other things which may raise some more questions. So why, why recognize deacons? Up to this point, we haven't had deacons. So why, what's the benefit of, of recognizing them now? Here's a couple reasons. First of all, um, the New Testament sees this as important. Right? Philippians 1.1 1, 1, Paul writes to the saints, and he also writes to the overseer elders and the deacons that are there. So the church at Philippi had people that would say, these are the deacons that are there. And because the New Testament thinks that's important for church, and we're following the New Testament, all the scriptures, it should be important to us as well. That's one reason. It's just what, that's what the Bible says. Another reason, this is going to help us make sure that those serving as deacons are qualified. The New Testament teaches that those who minister, help, or serve in an official capacity need to be qualified. List of qualifications here. Need to be tested first to make sure that they're qualified. And so if a position is deacon level, if we call it deacon, that'll help us make sure that we're fulfilling these qualifications with the people that we're putting into those places. Third reason. This will enable those serving as deacons to be appropriately commended and encouraged. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. That's, again, page 992. 1 Timothy 3, 13. Paul says, he, he concludes this section of qualifications. He says, those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now there's lots of ways to gain a good standing for yourself and to gain great confidence. Lots of ways. And, and it's all by grace, right? We don't earn 
a good standing before God. It's by grace through faith alone. It's trusting Christ, what he's done. And we trust him and we follow him in the obedience of faith. In his mercy, he gives good standing. He gives great confidence. So there's lots of ways to do it. But being a deacon who serves well is one of the ways that you can gain a good standing and also great confidence. And so we want to recognize those who are functioning as deacons in our midst so that you can be commended and so that you can be recognized and so that you can be encouraged. So that's some reasons why. So who are the deacons at Mercy Hill? This is going to be a growing list, but here's those who presently are serving in the capacity of deacon. Dave Clark, okay? Worship, high school group, don't call him Deacon Dave, though, for now, okay? All right. Joe and Cindy Garcia are both deacons in their work leading the children's ministry. Brandon and Michelle Ramazina are deacons in leading the junior high group. Love that. Dave Strauss is a deacon serving as Jerry's right-hand man for setup and takedown. Dee Dee Ship is a deacon in her capacity of helping Jerry lead their home group. Jerry's an elder, okay, but he's also a home group leader. And Dee Dee is a deacon helping him with that. Ian and Maria Gregg are deacons, okay, leading their home group. Rick and Yvonne Park are deacons leading their home group. My wife Jan is a deacon helping me lead our home group. Now again, this list is going to be growing, but just to give you a start, that's the kind of thing we're talking about here in terms of deacons, those who are presently serving in the capacity of deacons. Okay, now, what... What questions has this raised up in your mind? It's really important that you understand what our convictions are, what we're seeing in the scriptures. We want you to see it in the scriptures as well. So what questions? Something I wasn't clear about or why'd you say that? Or uh, There's articles and then there's, there's pronouns, right? Am I, do I, am I getting, I'm not a Greek, an English grammar or a Greek grammar, ex, grammar expert, but there's articles which you can or can't have. But then there's, if you say, the, if you say like... Um, uh, wives of deacons or wives of them or their wives would be the word auton in Greek, right? Remember that? So that's not there. So all, if you're just reading the Greek, you just say women slash wives must be dignified. See if this sounds right to you. If it it was their wives, it should have been gunaikos auton, right? The auton's not there. There's there's no, no, the, the auton is the word there. Yeah, that's a really good, we've been talking about that. I don't know. I mean, uh, there, there's, there's a continuum, right? In other words, in, in one sense, you could all be called deacons because you're all, I trust, you're all serving and helping in some way, right? But, but that's not what's happening in the New Testament church. There are some who are called deacons. So there's got to be, there's kind of a continuum. There's the sense of how much responsibility is there at the amount of, kind of, you think about what amount of weight that's carried, um, so, like, we could have, because, I mean, all of you are doing something here, but we can't call you all deacons because that's not what the Bible describes or prescribes. So the question is, the visibility of it, the weight of it, the amount of um, responsibility of it, those are the kinds of questions that we used. Right, and so it would be a position where the level of responsibility would make sense that this person needs to be tested first to make sure that they're going to be faithful. But again, that's just another way of saying, so there's a continuum here. The Bible doesn't say, here's where you draw the line. Each team of elders has got to kind of pray and think and process that. That's really good to point that out. Thanks, Deb. 
No, that's talking about the men deacons, the men who are deacons, and that's going back to then the men. The way, um, so in other words, here's a specific requirement for the women deacons in verse 11, and then here's some specific requirements for the men's deacon, men deacons in verse 12. This is how I've taken that. So general from 8 to 10, women in verse 11, men in verse 12, and then 13, commendation for both. Yeah, deacons, in my background, right, deacons met together and did stuff like that as a, as a team. I don't, that, that, if the elders decide that's how it should go, that could work. The, again, deacons, as you see from the list of who the deacons are, very diverse number of responsibilities. So home group leaders, we're not going to have you have another meeting where you come and decide on budgetary stuff. You can be relieved of that, don't worry. So um, it all depends on what the elders think should be functioning in terms of how the deacons work. So I don't envision that, and the elders, we, we deal with the budget, so... But that's, that's part of my background, too, is that kind of a model. So, Hey, let me just close it this way. Um, you know, what does this mean for us? And by the way, if you have more questions, we can talk afterwards just for the sake of time. I want to move ahead here. I think Jesus wants, wants us to close this time. I, I want to call all of you um, to be servants. I'm not talking about elders here, deacons here. I'm just talking about servants, like we are all called to do. Okay, here's Galatians 5.13. Paul says, You are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So here's a call given to all of us in the body of Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, then, then he looks upon you and he says, Now through love serve one another. Okay, serve one another. And so think about, you know, husbands need to be serving their wives. Wives serving their husbands. Children serving their parents. Parents serving their children. Families marked by through love serving one another. Think about you with your friends serving your friends. Think about a home group where we come together and say, we're going to commit here to grow in through love serving each other. Are you, is your stance towards those in your home group to serve them? How can I serve these people? Look at, look at the people around you. Here, here's flesh and blood, people in the body of Christ. Paul would say, through love, Mercy Hill Church, serve one another. So not just kind of people in general, but these specific people. What are the needs here? How can we be meeting them? Serving one another. And then it's your workplace. Is your stance at your workplace, I want to, through love, serve these people. In the neighborhood, serve my neighbors. So followers of Jesus, people should look at us and say, one thing about that man, one thing about that woman, one thing about that junior hire, through love, they serve other people. They serve, serve, serve. So what does it mean to be a servant? It means that when you see a need in somebody else, there's something in your heart that just stirs you to want to do something. You want to help in some way. Okay, now... Because of our sin, sin leaves our hearts empty. And when your heart is empty, you don't want to serve other people. You want other people to serve you, right? When your heart is empty, it's like, serve me. And so the emptiness that's produced by sin makes it impossible to serve others through love. So how can people like us, sin natures, how can we become servants? Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 10.8. I memorized this in the New American Standard Version. I can't get away from it. Freely you received, freely give. Before you can freely give in serving, you need to freely receive from Jesus Christ. That's how it happens. So because of the cross, you turn to 
Jesus Christ, you trust him, all your sins are forgiven, but not only are all your sins forgiven, not only are you clothed in his perfect righteousness, but at the same time, he pours out, there's like a pipeline from heaven where he pours out the work of the Holy Spirit upon you. And when he pours the work of the Holy Spirit upon you, your heart is filled. You feel his love, you sense his glory, you get peace, joy in believing, you're exulting in the hope of the glory of God. When you're trusting Jesus Christ and he pours the Holy Spirit upon you, your heart fills. And when your heart gets filled, when you see somebody else who's got a need, your heart's going to, oh, right? Need, full heart, oh. Let me give some examples of how this has happened recently. Friday, Thursday night, John Ferris, Stephen Kathy Wilson, Brandon and Michelle Ramazina heard that we're moving our children's ministry. And they dropped everything on Friday and came over here and moved stuff. For hours they were here. I don't think the air conditioner was working very well. Why? Because Jesus was filling their hearts when they heard that there's a need. Our children need to have the stuff in place Sunday morning for the children's ministry. There was a need and full hearts move out when they see a need and serve. Freely you've received, freely give. How about week after week, the men and women who are involved in setup, okay, their hearts so filled with Jesus that they know that we have a need here to have this place set up so that worship can take place, teaching can take place, children's ministry can take place. We're talking about Jerry and Dee Dee Ship, Dave and Lisa Strauss, Scott Sachs, Jed Dershimer, Justin Henson, Steve Marsh, Steve Darrow, the Marshes, actually they all do that, Steve Darrow, Frank and Terry Rocco, Mike Lemoyne, John Brewer, Banner Amazina, Rick Park, Al Flores, and I'm sure there's others I don't even have on those list here. But why do they serve in this way? Because freely they receive, the Lord's filling them, they know there's a need, and then freely they give. Also, I think a majority of you are involved in the children's ministry on a rotating basis. So you know, our babies need to be held and changed, and all that kind of stuff, so that moms and dads can be out here with worship and teaching. And our children need to be taught the Bible by men and women who are just on fire with love for Jesus Christ so the kids see your passion for Jesus and are hearing the word taught. So there's a need there. And because Jesus is filling your heart, you want to help in the children's ministry. So that's going on. So here's my challenge to you. Are you a servant? Let's look back over this past week or two. Are you a servant? Jesus says, Paul says, through love, serve one another. Are you a servant? Now, if not, what do you do? If you look at your heart and just think, I, I, don't, I see a need and it's like, I'm too busy. or I, I'm not, I can't. If you're not, Jesus Christ can change that through what he's done on the cross. This is the beauty of it. When my heart is feeling unserving, which is too much of the time. It's not like, well, I'll check back in tomorrow, see if anybody's going to get served. There's something that we can do right then. What do we do? What's the first step to freely giving? Freely receiving. So we don't just, it's not that like the servants, they're just like good people, or they just like are really disciplined, or a lot of duty or willpower there. No, if, if, listen, if you're serving out of willpower or just duty, stop. That's not Christianity. Christianity is freely receiving from Jesus Christ. You cast your burdens upon him. You cast your cares upon him. You say, fill me. I'm discouraged about this. I'm worried about this. I'm empty over this. Would you come and fill my heart? Lord Jesus, I want to freely receive from you right now. And when he does that, and you're starting to be filled, then 
when you see a need, when you hear about a need, there'll be something in your heart. I want to serve. I want to help. I want to do something. But don't put the cart before the horse. Freely you've received. Freely give. Now, for some of you, women and men, this will maybe end up in having there be a a, a deacon situation uh, emerging. Or some of you men, this may end up having you be an elder. But, But all of us are called to receive from Jesus so much that when we see needs around us, family, husband, wife, kids, parents, friends, workplace, home group, neighborhood, all of us are called to receive from Jesus so much so that we walk through life serving others. And that's what I want to call you to do. Be a servant. So let's stand together. Let me pray this over us and ask God to do some freely, so we can do some freely receiving right now. Lord, I pray for your power to come upon us right now. I'm sure there's some here this morning, they are so at the end of their rope, they're feeling so fearful, worried, needy, that the thought of serving somebody else just seems impossible to them. And I pray that right now, they would see your invitation to receive from you. Would you come and give them that invitation right now? And as they look to you and cast their burdens upon you and call upon you for help and ask you to strengthen them, would you pour out your grace and your peace and your mercy upon them? I pray, Lord, please, right now, do a powerful work for the glory of your name. God, I pray for those who are already serving in in ways that are, in many, many cases, unknown, unrecognized. Lord, would you give them, by the work of your Spirit, commendation right now and encouragement right now that you see you recognize, and would you just bless them and pour out your grace even more upon them? I pray, Lord God, for those who are in situations where it's really hard to serve because people maybe aren't being very nice, and would you especially pour out even more of your grace upon them, Lord, so that they could love and that they could serve. God, I pray that you'd make us here at Mercy Hill Church a a church that's known for the fact that through love we serve others that we would so receive from you that we would serve whenever we see a need. And Lord, we can't do that. That can only happen as we are freely receiving from you. So pour that out upon us, I pray. In Jesus' name.